Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone, and thank you for signing in, viewing, listening, however you got here to the Alchemy of Business show. I am thrilled that you are on today. So thanks for joining us. We are always here talking about finding ways to make wiser decisions, creating greater profits in your life and business, and higher purpose and higher meaning. So I invite guests on that make sure that we have these messages. And our guest today uh, does this and then some. We have a woman leader with us today that I just met recently, and I was really impressed when I met her in an event, actually at the Secret Knock event. My friend Greg Reed runs. He was here in San Diego and he's done it for many years. And I've known Greg for about 15 years and have been part of many of his, his workshops and events and various things along the way. And Martha was at this event as well. And Martha Adams is a certified financial planner. She's a financial educator, an author, a speaker, but she's very unique and different in how her approach to finances. In her experience as a certified financial planner, she spent much of her career advising clients, but also finding out that a lot of times there was negative energy or negative thoughts around financial conversations. And she started digging deeper into that. And she started looking at the emotional side of finance and the emotional intelligence in finance. And this is where she really found her background in both business and her education where it shines because she brings her heart, her compassion and her experience to help uplift, empower and educate those that she works with, not just about investing and making more money, that's key. But how do you actually use those conversations that you're in with Martha to make more impact in the world? Because she really does believe that everybody has the ability to make an impact and probably more so than you're doing that now. So through her own self-development, through her own self-education, she's taken that and she's written a book that we're going to talk about today. And uh, she invites uh, everyone in with her whole knowledge and her heart to uh, find out about their own financial journey, no matter where you're starting. If you're just getting started or you're a seasoned investor or financial person, there is still something in the show for you today. So thank you, Martha. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much, Steve. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, you are joining us from Canada. So tell everyone where you are at today. I'm in San Diego and sunny San Diego and we met in San Diego, but you've flown around since then and you're now uh, back in a home seat. So tell everyone where you reside and how you ended up where you live. So I am just outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I live in a city called Guelph. Uh, it is uh, today not as sunny as San Diego, but it doesn't matter because we're going to bring our own sunshine. And I ended up here. Well, I always say because my parents loved me before they even met me and they immigrated from Egypt so that my sister and I could have more opportunity and a life of our choosing. And so that's why I'm so blessed uh, to be here. Well, welcome, welcome. I know they are more than proud of you. And we have some conversations about your dad when we were at the event and we can maybe weave that in later if you're comfortable with that but I know that your parents had a, a huge impact not only on bringing you into the planet but also on having high levels of expectation of their own work ethic and their contribution to the world and others and so I know that helped lead you on your path of, of really being this a really a servant driven type leader but ended up in the finance space so being from Egypt and coming to a country did you ever go back and live in Egypt or do you have a connection with Egypt and I know the reason I'm asking that is because we're going to talk about the cover of your book, which is very Egyptian in the look and feel as called Cleopatra's Riches. And we're going to dig into that. But tell me about your connection. Here it is. If anyone's viewing on the screen, you can see we have many people that listen in and aren't having the pleasure of seeing the screen. But we've got clear Cleopatra Riches here with a stunning photo of Martha on the cover and looking like a Cleopatra goddess, but also talking about riches. So tell me about this connection to Egypt and even this connection to Cleopatra. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I did go to Egypt when I was when I was younger. Absolutely. But I always say regardless Regardless, I actually feel that even though I grew up here in Canada, I was kind of raised in Egypt in a way because that's what immigration does. You know, you can be kind of frozen in time. And so as much as, of course, my parents are very proud Canadians, I always joke that I was raised in 1970s Egypt because that's what they knew. And so that was the Egypt they knew. And that was the, the home space that I grew up in. And so, you know, over time, that 
connection to Egypt ended up really being positive emotional connection for me because, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of us can feel displaced as, as children. And I certainly did where, you know, I certainly stood out in the community I grew up in. You could find me very, very easily in a crowd. And I, you know, I chose for that to be positive for me. And so, and that came from a emotional awareness over time and something that I call emotionalizing to the positive. And that is actually a connection to the title to Cleopatra's riches. And why it's because, you know, I really do believe that our riches is something that is from the inside out. And my mother always told me when I was growing up that I was a direct descendant of, of Cleopatra. And the thing is that as a young girl, I believed her. And I thought, my goodness, yes, I'm a direct descendant of Cleopatra. And it felt great. And then Steve, I grew up and uh, heard other Egyptian girls saying that their mother told them that they were a direct descendant of Cleopatra. And I learned that every Egyptian mother says <laughs> that. And so I then though decided that it was the thing that uh, made me feel special, oh. that I could decide that it did. And that was something from the inside out. So that's the tip. That's awesome. I love that. And I love that parents give people other, or not people, but their children, this identity of you can't accomplish anything. And when you have role models, even if there is H and is Cleopatra, <laughs> someone who has carved the way, because it points out if they've done it, you can do it too. And on the planet right now with you as a woman, as a financial planner and advisor, as an author, as an entrepreneur, you're also setting the stage not only for women, but for families and men and women to, to figure out how to, to find through this path of their own, maybe feeling left out or maybe feeling out of place or maybe feeling like they don't fit in. What age do you remember that you really had that distinct feeling of, hmm, I feel different here or I feel like I don't fit in. And when you had the thought about, I'm going to change that into an empowered thought versus feeling victimized from it. Do you remember as a young girl when you acknowledged that and then how you knew to take the tools to do something about it? I was really young. I was about eight or nine and I can remember the specific instances that I decided where my riches really were and who decided how I felt, right? And that was going to be me. And so I certainly remember standing out. And at about eight or nine is where I really saw the differences, not only in my physical appearance, but also from a material stand as well. I grew up in a very loving home that was wealthy with all of that and wealthy with an incredible work ethic. And but in the area I grew, I grew up in, it wasn't necessarily uh, comparable when it came to material wealth. And so I decided that instead of comparing, I could look to inspiration. And I started to set goals as to what I wanted to create as a positive impact in this world and acknowledgement for myself in the process. And when did that lead to finance or money? Mm -hmm. If you came from great abundance in love and harmony in a family, as many as I've come from, but I, I didn't come from a wealthy family, didn't come from wealth. We were very, you know, in, in the country, Midwest oriented in the United States. And uh, my dad was a Navy man. So we had, you know, five, my parents had five boys in a very short amount of time and unlimited budget. So they had to learn to stretch a lot a long way. And they've done very well serving their own financial needs where my dad was a saver and he was very frugal. So now later in his years, they've been able to, you know, have a good life and have raised five boys and to have had this financial planning scenario that they stepped into with modest means compared to what most other people might have. So when did you also realize, okay, my parents are loving, I'm in a supportive environment, I can be anything I want. And from you know eight or nine years old, jump forward, whether it's high school or college, that you started thinking, hmm, I'm interested in finance, numbers interest me, money interests me, maybe that's a path for me that I can use as a conduit. Do you remember when you first started being attracted to money itself as a tool? So I was really attracted to everything in the business world to be really direct here. I found myself magnetized to it. I was so interested in it because I thought I found that it was such a beautiful way to connect with others. I think there's there's so many, there's a lot of societal negativity, negativity rather, around the business world. I saw the positives, right? I saw the aspect of self-expression in it. And so I really focused on it when here I was in grade 10, because at the time when I was in high school, that's when you could choose all of your electives. And I remember knowing that just in a passionate belief that this is uh, the way I was going to express myself. And so I chose all of my electives and didn't choose any sciences. I could 
get good grades in sciences, right? But I wanted to earn my place in the business world, making an impact in people's lives. So I chose anything and everything that went along with business. Now, uh, Steve, that meant that I had a really interesting conversation with the guidance counselor when when she pulled, <laughs> when she pulled me in. And uh, so, if you can imagine, you know, a 15 year old girl whose main goal that her parents gave her was to, you know, have a good education and earn a good position in this world because that's all they wanted for me, right? So here I am in class and on the speaker, the guidance counselor calls my name and pulls me out of class, you know, and then the ooze from all the, from all my, all my peers because something's going down. And I, you know, that's the power of belief and that's the power of connecting to our own riches and our gifts from, from the inside out. The, the outside doesn't have the priority anymore. Now her, my guidance counselor, her intentions were of course, very well-meaning, right? But now when we're focused on the inside out, we can really see what it is that serves us so we can become more of ourselves. And that's what happened in grade 10. And then did that lead then to this love of all business, but specifically finding your niche in the financial space? Did you then go on? I know you got certified in many different areas of finance and accounting and etc. So did you just take to that and like a duck to water, as they say, and you just kind of, even though you could do well in sciences, did you excel in math or accounting type classes and then certifications to then go on and, and then go into the business world for that? So how did that yeah. path go for you? It, it started with accounting. You're absolutely right on. Uh, so I uh, I found myself very attracted to the, um, to the number side and the analysis. And I thought this is wonderful. And I completely invested my energy into accounting. And and then I started at the age of 18, I said, well, from a work experience perspective, I want to immerse myself in this world and in, in the business world and even get um, a sense of the accounting world. So I ended up applying all sorts of different places and then earned a, a position as a receptionist in a US venture capital company. And so they, one of their board members was domiciled here in Canada. So it worked out really well and started as a receptionist. And then they knew I was going into business studies. They gave me a scholarship and asked me to stay. So I was on their accounting team for my first year of university. And that's when I discovered that while I love the numbers, I love the analysis, um, the human connection is what I was personally missing. And so I think that in a lot of ways, as we work to connect with our own voice and our own self-expression, the action of it is where we can really kind of fine tune the station to better hear our own voice. Awesome. Well, I want to talk about that for sure. We have about five minutes left in this segment. We're going to have three segments today for those that are listening in, and we'll take just a short break in about five minutes. But you have a quote about money and human experience and that it's formed over time here that we have on a slide. It says, money is a human experience that is formed over time. Its presence is woven through our life events of every size and significance. So tell me about that quote and tell me how you came to that place in your own life. The idea of money being a human experience is the difference I aim to make from day one in my practice, in my financial planning practice, because I've always had the belief from when I was a young girl, you know, before I was 10, that it really is something that's from the inside out. And, and yet it's the conversation in which we function and we've been taught to function from the outside in the how, the what to do, the who we should be, the how we should act. And so it's been dehumanized in so many ways. But when we bring it back to what really matters, when we personalize it, when we make it your own, that's when we can truly connect with the fact that money truly is that human experience, that wherever in your life, you know, whatever life event comes up on the screen of your mind, right? of any size or, or significance, chances are money was there and it played a role in some way, shape or form. And when we acknowledge that, then we can truly benefit ourselves and as a result, each other. So that's what I believe the financial conversation uh, truly can be. And that's what I advocate for every day of my life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, I want to come back in this next segment and dig 
into that conversation even further because some people on that might be listening in are possibly beginning at the stage of investing financial planning or wealth. Some may be humming along and kind of on the path and some may feel like they're very seasoned and they already have created a good nest egg and that they have investments in different places that they have passive income and they don't need to worry about it as much as some others. But all of those have different strategies and different points in which you then you meet people wherever they are, obviously. But I think your point is all of those then a human experience weave through that. And in that, you know, I think about families or passing on wealth or events or parties or holidays or weddings. Money does a lot of times become, of course, it's the currency and the, you know, the reason the currency is it, it's a flow like energy and electricity. It has to move and it has to go around and currency makes things happen in the world, but it can create massive joy in ways of using money to contribute, create experiences and memories for your family, trips, buying your first home, et cetera. And it can also create very negative things about people being obsessed with money or being mm -hmm. that they don't have enough or hoarding money or conflicts within families about jealousy or in will being passed on in money. So my guess is during your practice, you've probably had most all of those experiences. You've had to help people weave through that. And many times it could have been a negative thing, not only from the experience, but also from the history of their upbringing about why money was rooted in that fashion. Do you find that that is a big part of your conversation with people? That's the biggest because that's actually where the answers, the real answers come from, right? We often are answering a question that isn't the actual question, right? So I'm going to give you a non-money example of this. I was uh, talking with a friend of mine and she came home from work and she was exhausted. She was complaining with me about her spouse. Uh, she came home from work exhausted and uh, the laundry wasn't done. And she was really, really upset at her husband for that. And so I asked her why. And she answered, I, and I asked her why again and why again. And ultimately, long story short, is that uh, it wasn't actually the laundry that was bothering her. So if we solved the laundry question, right, uh, we could have answered that question, but that wasn't what was really going to help her. It was far greater than that. She had far greater concerns to, you know, it was concerns at work. There were concerns with, you know, with friends. There was so much more that was going on. And when we got to the why we could actually answer those concerns. Yeah, fear. Right. I, I, I can imagine you find that a lot. I mean, the financial aspect running through couples, families, etc. is mm -hmm. such a constant if you're under financial stress or challenges or one makes more than the other, it creates this undertone. And that, like you said, that the laundry or the toothpaste cap being off sometimes is what gets elevated, right? Let's go. We have to take, take a break, but we're going to come back and talk specifically about if you are investing money in this day and age with post-COVID differences and finances in the world of stocks, crypto, or even interest rates of what they may have been a couple years ago. What are you supposed to do with your money? And then when you are getting smart enough to invest money in the right way, how do you then continue to dig into these emotional connections that are negative or positive through money? So come back and join us. We're going to talk more about that with Martha. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business podcast. We are here talking with my guest, Martha Adams. If you can see, I've shown her book before. If you have a visual, if you can't see and you're only on audio, we're going to be talking about her book, Cleopatra Riches. She is a financial advisor, planner, and specialist in connecting life experiences and emotion to wealth and investing and creating wealth or just financial planning in general. Uh, so Martha, before we signed off on the last segment, we were talking about how sometimes money, not sometimes, but most times money has some factor in the highs and lows of relationships in intensities, whether it's in families or couples and what it can do to create excitement in buying your first home. Or if somebody was not pulling their weight, so to speak, in a relationship and money gets involved in that, sometimes that financial angst between couples or family members become pretty intense. So I'm curious on that this path that you've had of going from your early days in, in the accounting world to then uh, deciding to become into the financial planning space. What were some of the early on clients or, you know, as you've gone through your path that you had different examples of people that might be listening in that are at the beginning of their investing career? They, they've started, you know, getting a steady paycheck. They've got a fairly solid job. They realize they have a little money. They should start investing. Maybe they're a couple, maybe they're not. But where does that early, let me build some wealth conversation start? Maybe we can do a few scenarios of different people or different things that might be listening. And let's start with that one. So in each scenario, the real starting place is actually with you. So there's a really big 
big difference in finances at any stage between I need to do this. We often hear that around finances. I need to get my finances in order. Or I need to I need to get on top of things. I need to start saving. The word need, right? Is often something that uh, we've internalized and have an emotion around it of guilt and obligation, right? So especially when we're starting off, uh focusing on want instead of need, right? So one is, you know, weighing us down with guilt and obligation. The other one is fueled by desire and commitment to ourselves. Mm. So that's a focus there. So we're starting with our emotional intelligence, and then we can move over to the IQ of finances. Because when you're starting with your emotional intelligence, and you're focusing on what you want, now you're answering the question of what you actually want to see for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So now we're actually customizing truly for you versus for what someone else may feel you should do that Really, is that relevant or relatable to you, right? So starting with what you want is really big, really important there. And then from there, now that you're focused on desire, you're going to start, right? If I am uh, self-deprecating and I'm talking about need a lot, right? Uh, and let's just say I'm, I'm talking about my my eating habits and, and I say, I, I, I need to stop eating, <laughs> eating cookies. Well, you know, that's uh, going to, that's, going to very likely have a short impact, right? Uh, or actually bring me, take me, take me further back. So the key is starting and starting from the right place and continuing then to acknowledge yourself as you do. So I recognize that as you're starting, that things are, well, you're starting. So, you know, there isn't necessarily as much of a cash flow as you may want later down the road. Uh, But when you're starting, just the idea of starting and showing yourself means that you can continue to prove to yourself. You don't run a marathon uh, by training one day, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? You start one step at a time. And I think that that's so important when it comes to our finances as well. We start one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And in that first step, once they've done this uh, assessment of their mm-hmm. emotional, they know why they've got some intellect around the intelligence of it. Where are some places if someone's making, you know, do you suggest that people as a couple when they realize they've got to pay either their rent or their mortgage, and then they have mm-hmm. car payment and food and etc. Is there a way that they should say, hey, I can start saving $10 a month or $100 a month or $1,000 a month and start putting it in a savings account till I wait to put it in something else? Or, you know, what, what are some little baby steps they could start taking once they have the right mindset and heart set? Yes. So absolutely. Knowing your numbers is incredibly important because what, when you're knowing your numbers, the way that you know those numbers is really important because you're going to say you're knowing you, right? Don't give the numbers power, give yourself the power, right? And so Yes, tracking what all your inputs and outputs are uh, brings an awareness to that. And then you can start to say, okay, I can now say $100 a month, right? I'm starting with that. And now you're connected to your numbers, you're going to start to see them differently. And so having a grow category is really important. There's a very different feeling in the word grow versus save. I have to save money, right? What are you saving yourself from? We have a lot of negative emotional associations with the word save, but grow feels very different. We're becoming more. So having your grow category that you allocate between short-term, medium-term and long-term wants, right? Uh, So having that, and then you can allocate based on opportunities that come up. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're saving to grow and your money is not being saved, you are taking an account to put in for growth, short term, mid and long. So if you are, whether it's $100 a month or $10,000 a month that you're putting Mm -hmm. in to grow, what are some of the vehicles in the last couple of years that used to be good places to put money that I'm curious with the global pandemic and COVID and all the different impacts that have had on financial situations and companies, governments, you know, and the changing markets. Do you have different advice now than you maybe had three years ago for people if they're bringing 100 or $10,000 in a period to invest something or $100,000? Has that changed dramatically or just mildly? I think one of the things that we've seen, well, I think the change for so many of us over over the pandemic was very dramatic, right? In in a lot of ways, certainly, certainly emotionally. One of the things that 
wasn't uh, necessarily prioritized pre-pandemic was having what I call a flex account, right? I really don't love the term emergency fund, but um, but the idea of a flex account to know that you know something something takes place that you are. Uh, financially empowered and, and independent and, and can look after yourself. So that short-term grow category uh, wasn't necessarily prioritized. And I'm seeing it there where, you know, people are making sure that that they can uh, look after themselves moving forward should there be a change or, or, or a shift that, that happens there. Another really big thing that I saw and continue to see that I think is actually great is the way we prioritize our growth. A lot of times we leave that up to the company that we work for, right? Where we're going to say, okay, um, I don't need to do grow on my own because they deal with it all. Meaning well, through a retirement plan that a company might offer that you're taking part of your pay and putting it in their investment account. Yeah, absolutely. Retirement, uh, the profit sharing, if you've got stocks in the company, and then we find all of a sudden that all of our eggs are in one basket, right? And uh, and we certainly saw a lot of impact to, to a lot of companies, certainly uh, as an example, the travel industry, right? Over, over the pandemic. Now, let's just say if I worked for an airline and all my retirement row category is there. If I also have stock options there, right? Everything's there. And now I've been laid off. All of my, you know, the the stock price has obviously been impacted. And where does that leave me? So finding diversification, meaningful diversification that works best for you, knowing that, you know, holding some cash for buying opportunities is always incredibly important, right? And knowing that you also have some fixed income, right? And so so bonds, for example, and then knowing that you have some stocks, and if it's appropriate for you, that you also have uh, what I like to call an explore category, because that could be something like cryptocurrency, etc, that is more based on your comfort level, uh, you know, somewhere that that you can explore other market opportunities. Yeah, the explore for sure on the crypto. I want to talk more about that in our next segment if we can. And but I'm glad you brought that up because this explore category, it could be on different products of whether it's exploring the traditional stock market where you're playing with different stocks, could be in crypto, or it could be in different things. Some people might be investing in gold or coins or mineral type things. So is there any rule of thumb that you've given your clients, whether they're a new couple starting out or you know, a, a family who's, you know, years into a family or investing and they've been at their career for 10 or 15 15 years or longer about this flex account. Uh, is there any like uh, rule of thumb that you should have, not should, your goal to your grows accounts, your flex accounts, et cetera? Ideally, if you can have X amount of monthly normal expense or income in certain accounts, is there like a, a a guide on this map that, you know, percentages, months of income, percentages of overall revenue that you make in a year. So any any rules of thumbs on any of these uh, good ideas that you mapped out? So when it comes to uh, months of income for that, I like two months. A part of the reason for that is generally, uh, there's also a comfort around that. And there is a higher success rate. When, once we start to say three or four, that's a harder idea to to accept. And success happens from accepting an idea, right? So we must first accept that idea and then we can start to implement it. So I like at least two months. On the the flex account or don't like the word so much, but an emergency account where you could survive on paying your mortgage, paying your rent, paying your food for a couple months until you got something else and still not touching your other savings or retirement or other accounts to have cash. And then what about on this other account, which would be not the play account? What did you call it? Uh, The Explore. The Explore. Yeah, I like Core and Explore, right? We have our Core and then and we have our explore. How much if someone's got the explore account, if you had, let's say you have, uh, I'll just throw a number. Let's say you have $50,000 that's in mm-hmm. different investments or different things for someone. And that's always been either just in a very secure scenario, whether it's their company IRA, or it's maybe a little bit in some bond. If they had 50,000 that was growing slowly, and they were interested in doing this explore account, how much of that 50 or maybe it was 500,000, but let's just use 50 for a round number. Would you say take out a percent of it, 3%? Is there any rule of thumb to start like starting to play in this Explore account? That's a really great question. Now, the rule of thumb really is based on everyone's comfort level. And this comes to something that I really 
passionately believe in when it comes to financial planning. And it's the idea of financial planning from the inside out versus the outside in. So especially when it comes to investing, because it really is something that's personal. So something to keep in mind when it comes to explore is that that is higher risk. So if I look and explore of things like crypto, or, you know, you gave an example of mining and minerals, and that, you know, what I might view as 5% being a comfortable risk might be really uncomfortable to someone else, right? So uh, understanding your own money story and your own comfort level and sharing that with your advisor is really important. I will say that I do not recommend a high percentage going into Explore because Explore is exactly that. Mm -hmm. It is uh, to be able to take advantage and and to to benefit from those Explore experiences, right, of of learning along the way. Well, and I know in your book, we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment, but why don't we go ahead and weave into your book and then we'll come back and talk about some of these things in your book because you have some... On uh, slide six there, Noel, uh, who's my engineer, we've got up is that this is a book that you wrote about, are you ready for change about conversation and about money and finances? So does a conversation change? So if people realize that they are, then you get them thinking in a different way. But one of the things I want to come back and dig into is you also have some other ways to measure this. So you've got something on slide nine here that we have, which is what is your financial empowerment score, where you have a quiz where people actually can take a quiz to find out what their score is. And then you've got some other things called the four our process, which is really uncovering your process and a program to walk you through your own thoughts and belief about money, which also might help people answer some questions about how much should be in their Explore account, how much should be in their flexibility account. So maybe these things could could help do this. And I know you've got some other programs in your vault as well uh, that you have through your book. So for those listening in or viewing, please come back. We're going to get into some details into the book of Clear Patra Riches and some scores and some testing that you can do to help really fine tune this further for yourself. And then uh, with Martha or your own financial planner, figure out how to dig these further so you are growing and using your Explore money and using your Flex accounts in the right way. So thanks for listening in. And we will be right back on the Alchemy of Business show. Hello, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business podcast show. Whether you are listening and reviewing, we are glad you came back, and we are glad you are here with our guest, Martha Adams. We are talking about investing, riches, emotional intelligence, and making decisions from your heart internally versus just externally. And we're dealing with different levels of discussions around investment and tolerance and how to, to utilize your money. Uh, so Martha, thanks for again uh, popping back on and being our guest on this last segment that we have. And I want to talk about this path that you're on led you all also to say, hmm, I've got this this story that I want to share or these in, this information through a book. So t- tell me about how you came about writing the book. And I want to talk about some of the things in the book. How I came about writing the book was, well, I made a commitment that I would uh, make myself very uncomfortable and uh, tear down the walls of my boardroom to make it more accessible to more people. Um, My boardroom in many ways uh, was my happy place as I impacted uh, the lives of others by starting the financial conversation from the way that they feel so that we could then uh, connect to the beliefs, the results or the actions, right? And so that's what I did in my boardroom. And I was quite comfortable <laughs> with that. And I though wanted to make the conversation more accessible because I believe that the financial conversation truly should be three things, accessible, approachable, and applicable to each person as an individual. And centered around all of that is the way that you feel. And so that's why I wrote the book so that we can sit together and have that conversation one-on-one starting in the true starting place, which is how you feel that was developed over your own money story. Yeah, and everyone does have their own money story. I mean, a lot of people were brought up with fearing money. You know, money is the root of all evil. We've heard in some, you know, many biblical type things or, you know, jealousy or different things that happens with greed. So, you know, money is something that used in a negative way definitely can destroy, but it also is a creator. So I know that you help people weave through that and the creation piece and staying focused on that. So having it be, uh, you know, approachable and applicable and applying to each person. So the book, for those that can see here, 
here again. It's called uh, Cleopatra's Riches. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, we have a screen here for those that are seeing. You can just go on Amazon and put in Cleopatra's Riches or Martha Adams' book and pop up. And within this book, there are some key steps and, and things that you have. Whether the, I'm not sure if this is through your site or through your book exactly, but I know you have MarthaAdamsMedia.com. And in there, you've got about starting a financial conversation. I think that is your website. Yes. Uh, and from your website in your books, you have some different things that you've created and tools to help people have scoring and assessments. So I know mm -hmm. part of opening up your heart and people sharing where they're from is wonderful. And I think it's applicable and I love it. And at the same time, you do have to get into either numbers or a starting point or assessment. So tell me first about, let's jump through a couple of these real quick. Uh, what's a financial empowerment score and what's a quiz to help do that? So the financial empowerment score really helps connect you to the missing piece of the financial conversation, which is the way that you feel. And, you know, we could talk about the how of money uh, constantly. And in fact, as a society, we do. And yet we keep getting the same results. So if that's the way you feel, like so many of us do, the thing is, we've got to start asking different questions. If we want different answers, different results in our lives, we've got to start asking different questions. And that is what the financial empowerment score does. It starts to ask you different questions so that you can build an awareness for the way that you feel, what you believe, so that your results can be different. Wonderful. And they can just go to your website and get that quiz or is that from your book that they would go there and get that? It's right on the site and completely free. So if you go to MarthaAdamsMedia.com, uh, you'll be able to uh, either take the quiz right away through the pop-up or go to the resources page and the quiz is available there. There's also a number of other free resources that uh, all complement they're all independent, but they all complement uh, and uh, amplify the good of the conversation that's available in Cleopatra's Riches. Wonderful. And then you also have another process that you, you go through and you, you write about and also on your site. It's called the 4R process. What is the 4R process? So when we're talking about our money story, so when we're talking about money as a human experience, and we say that, you know, it was formed throughout our lives. And we're talking about our household, right? So our upbringing and that those messages came from somewhere. They came from our origin story, right? And then we are also impacted by the community we grew up in, societal messages that you mentioned, right? And then in relationships as well. And our emotions are all built around that. So now that we've discovered so much about ourselves, what do we do with it all? That's where the 4R process comes into play because now we are normalizing emotions around money and now we can systemize how we work through them through the 4R. So that's in recognizing what is impacting us, mm -hmm. right? Those experiences that have impacted us. And the second R is to reconcile our perspective and the perspective now, because as we build empathy for ourselves, we'll build empathy for the other characters in our story. Now that we have that perspective, we can move on to the third R, which is to release what no longer serves us or belongs to us. Because now you're connected to the power of your choice, right? Now you're back in control. But the most important R is the fourth R, which is to repeat because now we're going to repeat that positive message of what we are choosing as we emotionalize to the positive and create that positive change in our lives. So that's the, the for our process. Wonderful. I love it. And you create that loop where you've changed your tape and you've created an, a new duplicate back into then grow of a new positive input. So that's uh, love that. And then you also have a vault where you've got materials and trainings and stuff in, uh, mm -hmm. in your thing. So how do you unlock the vault, which is a visual if you're not seeing the screen here because you're only listening, there's a button that says it's waiting for you. Unlock the vault. Yes. <laughs> so unlock the vault is really in a lot of ways the secret the uncovered secret to uh, riches in our lives which is our emotional well-being around money uh, specifically here because you know money in a lot of ways i view as uh, a beautiful form of self-expression it becomes something different when we give others control of that but when we connect to our emotional awareness 
and intelligence, it allows us to take back control and have it be truly a form of self-expression in the way that we earn with meaning, grow with value, and enjoy with purpose in our lives. That's something that truly belongs to you. And Unlock the Vault helps you do exactly that. Wonderful. Well, go to uh, Martha's site. We're going to have those in the show notes, both getting to her book and getting to her website. uh, And you will learn more, not just about how to become better at saving slash growing your money, but also investing in different ways. Once you identify and understand more about your own internal being and understand this financial conversation with yourself and your own psyche and with your partner or family or whomever it might be, that also gets included in those discussions. So thank you, Martha, for those tidbits. We'd love to uh, rotate into another segment here. We've got about eight or nine minutes left the show. And I want to do a little fun segment on a social media piece that we call instantly interesting Instagram. Are you up for playing? I sure am. Okay. So for those that can't see uh, the screen here, we uh, do a fun little segment on this each week, but it's called Instantly Interesting Instagram. And there's just three basic tidbits for this and rules, if you would say. But basically, we just take a dive into your your photos, some of your photos in your recent Instagram feed. And then we pull up some interesting ones without any context from us or any uh, text that was in the photo itself might have been on Instagram. And then you quickly just share and tell us more about what's happening in that particular photo of that snapshot of your life. You up for playing? I sure am. Let's play. All right. So the first one, it looks like you are, I don't know if you are on a a TV show, but it looks like you are a chef in a kitchen with your hands in all kinds of stuff, uh, doing something interesting. So what's happening in this photo? I love to bake. So this is my kitchen. Both of those photos are are in my kitchen. And baking is something I've, I've actually always loved. I do love cooking and baking. I would say from sharing positive energy with others. Baking is a way that uh, I can I can express that love and, and energy. And so in one, in the picture on the left, uh, those are macadamia nuts. And I am making what I call my everything cookie. There's a lot that's in there. You can use macadamia or hazelnuts. I use both white and milk chocolate chips, dried cherries that are uh, kind of soaked in in uh, vanilla, vanilla bean to reconstitute them uh, with hot water. And anyway, it becomes a really delicious everything cookie. But my favorite thing is not actually eating them while I promise I do do quality control. It's... <laughs> it's <laughs> It's it's giving them that's what and smelling them while they're cooking for sure. <laughs> Nothing like fresh baked cookies cooking. Well, those sound awesome. Mm-hmm. Here's another uh, photo, and it looks like you are. There's a camera that's looking at you. We can see a camera, and then we see a screen, and you are looking. You've got a laptop in front of you. So what's happening in this view? So it's actually really interesting that you found and pulled up this photo because this one's from a while ago. So well done. Uh, this shows prep and love and research that you and your team put put into this. This was from when I. I first started to break down the barriers to my boardroom. I actually started on local television to uh, make the financial conversation more accessible. So I had a show on local TV. And what I said was, so I went and uh, pitched to a producer and I said, you know, I want to to make it more accessible and approachable. And, and I said, I don't want to film in my boardroom. I owned my office building, but I didn't want to film in my boardroom. I didn't want to film in my office because I didn't feel that that was accessible in a lot of ways. I wanted the financial conversation to be what it should be, which uh, is one that truly belongs to you. So I actually went and filmed at different locations. This was a local restaurant. And so I would feature the local community and talk about something that uh, was topical and, and applicable at the same time. And so, you know, that that's where I started. And today I'm humbled to uh, be a regular on national media now. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, that is congrats. Well, uh, you were the you were the roaming financial advisor with heart. And- <laughs> Okay. The next one we have real quick here is it looks like you have possibly at a party and there's a bunch of women that look like they're kind of in flapper dresses or yes. uh, so what's going on here? Oh, this was a really fun evening. I was uh, on a board. So it was a fully female board and uh, it was for the United Way. We were raising money for, for the United Way and our focus was, you know, uh, 
positive community impact. And so this was the charity night. It was uh, 1920s Speak Easy. And I did this promo video for it. That went really well. We were oversold uh, in uh, really a matter of days. It was great. And so no one knew where it was where it was going to be. They had, uh, we, we sent out a password and they had to then access that password for the secret meeting place. Uh, here we are. Now keep in mind, we are in Canada and there were no sleeves on those dresses. And that was a cold <laughs> night. So I would just like to also give an honorable mention to the Canadian commitment regardless of the weather. <laughs> Ah, that's great. Well, that looks like a lot of fun. Well, doing well by doing good, raising money and having fun is always good. And then one quick last one, and then we're going to roll into the ending segment here. But it looks like you are on a little bit of a scooter that might be something that my five-year-old grandson might be on and, and play with. So what, what's going on here when you're in a, some kind of a, a vehicle device here? Yes. Uh, so this was actually a photo shoot and we were between, uh, the photographer was between setups. Uh, this is my house and that's actually my son's, just don't tell him that while he was at school <laughs> I, I was, yeah so I you know I really do believe that we're not meant to take life too seriously we are we are certainly meant to learn and grow uh, and certainly enjoy the process so this is me enjoying the process and not taking my myself too seriously Oh, very good. And being like a kid, which is always great. Yeah. Reminding us of that. Well, wonderful. Let's we've got a little bit of a few minutes left here in the show. And I want to roll into we're going to make sure that everyone has access to you on your Instagram, which is Martha Adams Media, uh, looks like and we've got a screenshot here with uh, connecting with Martha through her website, MarthaAdamsMedia.com and Facebook at groups slash Martha Adams. We're going to have all these in the show notes, you can just click on these, whether you're viewing or listening, and these will be in the show note that you can just scroll down at the bottom of the screen right now and you should be able to see them down there. Um, so let's let's jump into as we wrap. I know, I know that when you and I met, we talked about emotional intelligence and IQ and intelligence and how to combine those in the financial space of life and money. And then I was also bringing up my uh, passion about talking about spiritual intelligence. So I like to wrap up the show with, with my guest of asking, do you have a definition of spiritual for yourself or spirituality? And what is your um, view of spiritual intelligence and tying it into your life and business? To me, when it comes to spiritual intelligence, it really is connecting from the inside out and hearing our own voice. I think that in so many ways that that's a beautiful piece of, of the puzzle that ends up um, becoming missing as we either mute it or discount it with others. And so, you know, for me, the spiritual aspect, you know, self-expression is is a, is a really, a really big part of that. And for that self-expression to be there, our own intuition, our own will, those aspects to ourselves, not only acknowledging them, but prioritizing them, I think is not only important, it's essential. So for me, uh, that's what it means. Uh, truly, you know, looking at the the essential as exactly that. That's wonderful. And prioritizing that and making your inner voice to expression. And I absolutely believe that, that each of us are expression of the higher consciousness of the universe. Mm -hmm. And we each have a unique imprint that through our work, whether it's financial or through our careers or crafts, that it's a way that we can show up and express of mm -hmm. that energy in the universe. Uh, and I know just had a loss of a one of the most important family members that exist. I mean, our parents, our mothers and fathers. And I know that you just had your father pass away in this last early in this year. So I want to talk about and you mentioned it was okay for me to share that. So my deepest condolences to you and your family about that. And I know that uh, when I mentioned that to you, that how proud he must be of you before his passing and how proud he must be of you now in, in viewing this work that you're doing of your own authentic voice. So how has your father's passing, and we can share his name as well, impacted your outlook now on life and before his physicalness, you know, when he was physically here and now that he's in spirit, has that changed your passion or your drive or importance for what you're doing moving forward with his great will with around you even in a different way? Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> his name is Nehru's. And the significance of his name is actually the Coptic New Year. He was born on the Coptic New Year, and that's it's called Nehru's, and so that's why that's why that's his first name. How has it impacted me? My father is, and and I I speak about it in present tense. I speak about him in present tense because I do believe that in a different form, he is still present. And that through my love and appreciation for the greatest gift he gave me, which is his fatherhood, I continue to give his essence life. Mm. And 
<clears throat> I'm sorry. It's, I certainly, I love him and I miss him. So I'm so grateful to, um, to miss him. What a blessing that, yeah, is. that is. Yeah. You, um, know, you heard that with me. You said that about what a blessing it is to miss him because you know how loved he was and how important he was and is in your life. So that's, that's a powerful thing. And has that affected how you viewed life now versus prior? Do you have a different outlook or just a, or a more impacted view? I'm just curious on when people have such close, when we all have family members that we lose that are so close, sometimes it shifts magnifies, it changes trajectory. So I'm just curious if it's changed in any of that uh, major, I'm sure in many, many ways, but anything uh, of significance that you want to share as we're wrapping up with the, the guests here about your impact you're making on the world and why that's still so important to you. It's amplified. If I'm to say it in a word, it's amplified. My father is my uh, greatest advocate. He really always has been. And he showed me love in so many ways, including his belief. You know, when I wanted to start my independent practice, that meant I was starting my independent financial practice. It meant I was starting from nothing. I was starting from scratch. And when everyone who loved me meant well, but chose fear, they were afraid for me. He chose faith and he believed in me and saw success before it was ever on the horizon. Mm. And so I look and I say, he saw that for me then uh, to see that positive impact in others. Well, today I'm just getting started. I say that every day. I'm just getting started and a positive impact in the lives of others. And I do feel very fueled by his belief. Well, how blessed you are to have his presence then and now and how blessed we are to have his words of choosing fear. I mean, having fear, choosing faith. And by having that fear, he helped you choose faith. And I think in my my book that I wrote about the Iggy Principles, it is also, we all have fear and we all long for love. And that fear to faith is that bridge to that. So mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you were, didn't mean to throw that at the tail end of the show, but it seemed like such an impactful thing to end on because for you to be amplified is like, wow, how could you be more amplified? Because you're already so amplified as who you are, <laughs> which is great. So I love that you said that going from fear to faith and that his passing has amplified the importance of what your impact is and going to be even further on the planet. And you're just getting started. So for those listening in, if you're looking to figure out how you can be amplified, how you can go from fear to faith, please take this story of Martha's story herself and check out her book and check out what she's doing online and with her website, because it's a true gift to realize money is going to be something that is from now until the time we pass and ongoing through our family. So to use money in the most respectful way and respecting currency needs to flow and you you get to be the co-creator of making that in the mindset and emotional set, spiritual self and IQ way that you want. That's an empowerful thing. And Martha's work can really help you figure out how to incorporate all that. Uh, so Martha, thank you. Any closing quick comments for the, the group before we uh, sign off? One thing, serve people and use money. When you serve people and use money in that order, the world is a bright and beautiful place and you are connected with the good from within. A lot of times when we're focused on the other side of it, right? We've had experiences with the other side where people use people and serve money. Those are the experiences that, that can sometimes you know, define us that we don't have an awareness of. Continue to focus on serving people and using money. Well, we were close on that note. Well, thank you everyone for listening in or viewing on the Alchemy of Business show and with our guest, Martha Adams. We will be back next time with more guests inspiring you to do more in your life from a higher level and with more purpose. Thank you, everyone. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed and see you soon.